I've gone in my leadership career, I've had to really look at my behaviors, how I interact situationally. And I think it's really important that if people are leaving, they're leaving for a reason and not assume it's on them. Welcome to the Balancing Act Podcast. I'm Andy Tempty, and today we've got Lisa Sicilian, my former colleague and Chief Administrative Officer at Kaplan North America, joining us. Welcome to the show, Lisa. Hey, Andy. It's great to be here with you. Well, we have been in uh, rooms like this many times in, in the past. You and I were uh, colleagues at, uh, at Kaplan, uh, many, many, many meetings in a virtual setting. But I'm really looking forward to this one because we just, you know, we get to have a conversation about the, f- the future of work, which is going to be awesome. Sounds great. And we can save another podcast to all the, the gaffes and fun we had in some of those other meetings. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm working on book number two right right now, but I think we could probably fill uh, book number three <laughs> with, so. with all of that. <laughs> yeah. So today we're going to continue our series on this lightning rod question of nobody wants to work anymore. Uh, we're going to tap into Lisa's broad experience as a senior executive who sits at the intersection of human resources, learning, legal, and what we've call uh, affectionately, quote unquote, the business, to explore the nuance that lies behind this potentially polarizing and frankly, black and white assessment of today's market for talent. But before we get started, as always, it would be wonderful if you, Lisa, told our listeners your story. You know, my story is an example, a perfect example, I think, of have a plan, but also be open to opportunities for learning and growth. Because I started saying, I'm going to law school. I had no intention of practicing, no intention of litigating, no intention of going to a large law firm. And P.S., of course, did all of those things. (laughs) But as part of that, I met with lots of clients who were corporations and really loved being part of a team, being part of the strategy and seeing it through, seeing ideas through execution. So went in-house as general counsel of a sugar company, which ultimately led me to Kaplan and the various roles I've had the opportunity to have at Kaplan. That's awesome. Uh, I, I like to ask this question as well, which is, that accelerant, that thing, that event that has occurred, uh, that occurred in your career that really put rocket boosters uh, on, on behind you, you know, to, to, to allow you to get to that place of chief administrative officer. What's that accelerant for you? I've actually, Andy, as you asked that question, have two. One, very similar to yours, I've been listening to your podcast, your wrestling mentor. Similarly, I had a mentor in college, Brownlee Sandscorn, who believed in me probably way more than I believed in myself at the time and got me into various experiences, including some lobbying opportunities. But then more recently at Kaplan, I'd say an accelerant was I was hired to be general counsel of what was Kaplan College Online at the time, as well as to lead and create the HR team. And over time, in a quick 
quick fashion, uh, the job became very large as the organization grew when we became Kaplan University and, and then Kaplan Higher Education. And I was at a crossroads and went to my boss, the CEO, and said, dude, it's gotten too big. I, I can't do all of these. And I was expecting to say, okay, go into your legal role and be done. And he smartly said, okay, what do you want to do? And I had to think about it because my identity at that point had been wrapped up in being a lawyer. But when I thought about what really excited me about work, what gave me purpose and value, et cetera, was to be part of a team to help with the strategic vision, to help execute on that strategic vision, to have collaborative experiences, et cetera. And so that was probably a huge accelerant. Yeah. Kaplan College Online, mm. uh, the very early 2000s, I, uh, I, I remember meetings in, in dark rooms about, about that at the time. Uh, it was just a one, wonderful time. Well, thanks for sharing that. I, I want to take a small detour because this role of chief administrative officer, a lot of people hear that phrase and they commence to scratch their heads and wonder, what does a chief administrative officer do? So I'd, I'd love it if uh, if you just took a minute or so and explained what what does that mean in uh, in a corporate hierarchy so that our so that our listeners who might want to aspire to that position can really understand what they're what they're in for. Sure. And it's a pretty amorphous role in many organizations. It looks a little bit different in different places. But here at Kaplan, it is really the operations of all the administrative non-student facing functions. So talent, human resources, learning experience, academic services, compliance, risk mitigation, um, facilities even. It's a number of things and, and strategic initiatives as well. So the, the chief administrative officer keeps the wheels on the bus. I hope so. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the goal for sure. Uh, let's dive right in to the topic at hand. You know, when you hear somebody casually toss out the phrase, nobody wants to work anymore, with usually that kind of vocal inflection, what goes through your mind? Did everybody just get lazy over the pandemic and abandon their work ethic, as the phrase implies? Yeah, Andy, I... I really think that's a false narrative. Over the past several years, individuals have assessed and, and reassessed their life, their career, what they want it to look like. I've found individuals are looking for purpose in what they what they do. They're looking to feel valued in their organization. They're looking to learn and grow, be recognized, rewarded, and also bring their full self to work. And Doing that means also being able to balance their work and their personal life experience. So I think it's a false narrative. I think people are really excited to grow and learn and, and produce and feel valued. Yeah. Uh, in, in episode 38, uh, you know, Dan Strafford and I talked about this concept of nobody wants to work anymore. And I, I didn't pull any punches regarding my position that the phrase is, in the category of unhelpful at best and, uh, and a derogatory slur, uh, uh, kind of backhanded derogatory slur at worst. 
uh, to describe a very complicated uh, set of issues. Uh, from your perspective and what you see in your chair, what are some of the key drivers uh, of this great resignation, as some are calling it, and the shifting attitudes about our relationship with work? Yeah, I, I think, again, the purpose, the feeling like you're continuously growing, learning, contributing, and being recognized for that, as well as the flexibility. Certainly, people talk about the great resignation. And most recently, you hear some people talk about the great regret. And I would again say that's a false negative, uh, false narrative as well. There are people, we've had boomerangs, folks who have left after thinking they're going to get more money or a better experience. And I would encourage anybody who's thinking about that to have the courage, and I know you've talked a lot in your podcast about courage, to speak up, talk to their managers, talk about owning their own development. I just think that's so critical. You've also talked about the shiny ball and how leaders shouldn't be looking at the next shiny object. Well, I would encourage I would encourage all individuals to not look at the next shiny object, but think about where they want to go and, and work with their leaders to develop plans. I don't think any manager, or at least none I know of, want their folks to leave or not feel valued or not feel developed that they have an opportunity for growth. Uh, but sometimes it takes having a conversation. Well, we, um, we worked in, and you continue to work in a, in an extraordinary organization where many, uh, many of our, our fellow leaders and managers, uh, do feel that way about, uh, about development. I mean, we, uh, we, I still say we, like I, like I still work there. I, th I think I I'll love always, that, Andy. <laughs> I think I'll always say we, uh, you know, uh, it, it'll be really hard to, to, to get that out of my, uh, uh, out of my mindset, but, and I hope, I hope I don't, but, you know, we, we looked at, uh, development, uh, very seriously, but there are a lot, a lot of managers, uh, that uh, that that don't look at the world like that. That aren't really interested in developing their people. Uh, their people are just coin operated, uh, you know, cogs in a in in a very big wheel. Uh, you know, I I was talking to the the lacrosse area development uh, uh, folks at the development corporation this morning, and it's like we're on this great uh, 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 game of. Uh, uh, it's this big merry-go-round that that we're all that we're all on uh, as folks rethink uh, their their relationship with uh, with the world of work. Um, our last series of episodes uh, focused on the reskilling revolution. This concept that up to a billion people globally will need to be reskilled over the next ten years. Uh, from your hybrid chair, especially that intersection of human resources and learning, what correlation do you see? between the great resignation and the reskilling revolution? Yeah, I see, again, people not feeling fulfilled and wanting to go somewhere either for recognition or uh, some, sometimes that shiny object, right? The reskilling is critical for organizations to look at their employees and say, what's the future of our business? And how do I take really talented employees and help them grow in their skills? Some of the skills are, are 
basic skills and some are for new uh, new opportunities within the organization. We we look at continuous improvement all the time, and the organization has to look at continuous improvement as well. And what not just the skills needed to do the job today, but what needs to happen in the future. And strong managers will look at that. And I encourage our employees to be thinking about those kinds of things that the, that skills for the future. Yeah, we we talk a lot on this podcast about uh, developing that that learning and development, and the, one of the greatest gifts that you can give as a leader and a manager uh, to to your people is an investment in really in their future and a genuine concern about their skill profile vis a vis uh, the skill profile of the business and how an individual can. Uh, can can really step up, uh, you know. As as everything is shifting in our labor markets and people are rethinking their relationship with with work, uh, what are the top two to three skills that you believe talent across all generations, all corporations, need to focus on, acquire, and hone? Yeah. The the reskilling I see as more technical skills of what the future will need in terms of, of uh, jobs, et cetera. Some of the skills that I see people need today and need to continue to hone are communication. These sound so basic, but you and I have talked about some of these. Communication is critical. The written word and how to tell a story and how to get to an outcome. Similarly, analysis, being able to analyze the situation, think about the future and how any action today will impact the future. And then finally, this is um, a skill that I've had to learn how to do is listening. I'm one of those that the quiet moments in an elevator, I have to talk to the people in there. But listening is really, really critical. Yeah, the, the, uh, you know, I, I love it that you started out with communication uh, because all of the top 10, top 15, top 20 lists of skills of the future, uh, communication is implied uh, in, uh, in, those, uh, in those lists. Typically, uh, the, the creators of those lists don't put communication in or, or don't think about it because they just think of it as a given. And I have a real problem with that because, uh, you know, in my travels and certainly your travels uh, all, all around the world, uh, communication, if you can't communicate your vision, your goals, where, where you're going, uh, what's most important right now, uh, and, and, you, and certainly communication between uh, individuals on a team, uh, is, communication is just central to, 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 to everything. So next question, what advice do you have for individuals who are rethinking their relationship with, with work and are considering a career change. And if I can put you on the spot just a little bit, uh, it, the, we, we need uh, females in the workplace uh, need to be elevated, need to be encouraged. And is there a, 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 a special uh, bit of perspective that you can provide there as well? Being open to new experiences. I think I started uh, in my career saying, I was. I had plans. I had was very clear what I wanted to do. But being open to new experiences, testing them out, 
really trusting your gut on what you think is appropriate for you and how it impacts your day-to-day life is really, really important. One thing I recommend, for example, if you want to go into a leadership position, and I'd love to see more women going into leadership positions. I have seen that uh, certainly at Kaplan and it's very rewarding. Do your homework. Try it out. If you want to go into a leader pos- leadership position, for example, volunteer for a project where you can lead it. Really assess what about it you enjoyed, what about it you had gaps that you needed to improve upon, and that will help, I really think, develop your career. Yeah, it's these nuggets of uh, of wisdom that uh, that our listeners are 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 really out for. You know that that advice about about uh, you know as you're thinking about that uh, about that career change. Um, now, on the flip side of that, let's make the assumption that you could have an open minded discussion with a manager or leader who's adopted that you know kind of crass nobody wants to work anymore mm-hmm. narrative. What advice do you give to help that individual see the nuance in our current market for talent? I would first say get a mirror <laughs> and look at yourself first. What are you doing? First of all, do you feel that way about yourself? Second, are you listening? What are your employees saying? Again, being open to feedback and encouraging that feedback. Uh, It's about starting with your own behaviors, how you impact others. Look, as, as I've gone in my leadership career, I've had to really look at my behaviors, how I interact situationally. And I think it's really important that if people are leaving, they're leaving for a reason. And not assume it's on them. Yeah, yeah, I, I love that. Look, look in the mirror first. Mm-hmm. Uh, it it all it all starts with uh, with looking in the mirror. I I, I just love that. So th- this has been a wonderful conversation. Uh, I, I just love love talking to you today. Uh, I'm Andy Tempty. This is the Balancing Act podcast. Uh, please find us on your favorite podcast service. Uh, like us, subscribe, rate, you know, do all, do all the normal things, share, all, all that stuff. Uh, and find us at uh, our website, andrewtempty.com, for our podcast, The Saturday Morning Muse, and my book, The Balancing Act. So thank you very much, Lisa, for joining us today, and I hope everybody has a great day. Hi, Andy. Thanks.